everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 47. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. A quick reminder, after this episode, head over to rootlessliving.com and grab a free, that's right, it's still free, digital subscription to the Rootless Living magazine. And you can always purchase a print subscription as well. Today I'm talking to Brett and Meredith, the duo behind Driving Towards Fire, and on this episode we talk about so many things. This episode is jam-packed, from going full-time, to navigating COVID as medical professionals, to dog rescues, and you won't even believe how much debt they've paid off in two years. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Brett and Meredith to the show. How are you guys? Good. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. It's funny, sometimes people don't ask, and I'm like, well, that's not nice. <laughs> so thank you for asking. Yeah, proper etiquette, man. <laughs> Without a yeah. doubt. Yeah. So where are you guys right now in the world? We're currently located in East Texas. Nice. I love East Texas, actually. So we'll probably talk about that. And what do you consider yourselves? Full-timers, part-timers, some-timers? Full-time. Full-time. And when did you guys start? When did you guys start full-time? October 23rd of 2018. Nice. Okay, so let's go back before October 23rd. Um, when did the idea of going full-time in an RV hit you? And then let's go through the process. Where are you guys working? Where are you living? You know, what did you guys have to do to be able to do this? Let's break it down. I would say it began probably in December 2017 when we first started thinking about a different kind of lifestyle and uh, traveling for my job in an RV. And that's because you're a, technically now you're a traveling nurse, which we'll get into your work in a minute. But what were you doing then? I'm, I'm a nurse anesthetist and I was a nurse anesthetist then as well in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm still a nurse anesthetist now. Can you break that down? Because I have no idea. I know what nurse is, but I don't know what an anesthetist is. So you have to let me know what that is. Okay, so a nurse anesthetist is, um, I went back to school and got my doctorate in nursing practice anesthesia. So that's after, after you were a nurse in the ICU for a minimum of a year. I was in the ICU for about four years before I went back to school and uh, worked as an RN. And then I went back to school, got my doctorate. And what I do is I get people to sleep for surgery, keep them safe, monitor their vital signs, um, wake them back up. That's the kind of the short and sweet version of it. Gotcha. Um, that's great. And Brett, what were you doing? Surgery. <laughs> Brett, what were you doing back then? Oh, uh, mostly supporting her, to be honest. Oh, now, so to be honest, uh, now I was working in healthcare IT and uh, I've worked remote for quite some time and uh, at a home office, really. So I, I used to travel extensively for work and, you know, I'll be in and out of flights Every week, I could be in San Francisco one week or Miami the next. <clears throat> so I was traveling pretty extensively. And then eventually, uh, I, got a, I got a job offer to work uh, strictly in home office with no travel. Uh, so at that point in time, when that discussion came up about kind of what, what's next for us in life, uh, I was already remote based at that point. So it kind of made the discussion, you know, really easy at that point. Now, what kind of house home were you guys living in? Did you own it? Did you rent it? We owned it. It was about a 2,400 square foot beautiful home and about eight minutes from downtown, from downtown Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. yeah. So you guys definitely still like the Texas area, it sounds like. We, yeah. we, we like Texas, but I think we, our heart and soul is with Tennessee to some level, at least an area that, 
that experience is the, the seasons, the four seasons. We're kind of sad that we haven't gotten to really explore Texas as much due to COVID. Um, normally, we like to go um, get out of town for the weekends and go explore other areas, but we just have been a little hesitant to do that with the virus. Okay, so you guys have this house, beautiful home. You guys seem happy, both working, really cool jobs. And you decide, obviously, you know, with about a year's planning to kind of like uproot and hit it full time. Uh, let's go through the transition of selling the house, you know, finding a rig, getting rid of stuff. What was that like for you guys? Uh, a whirlwind. Yeah, pr- probably the equivalent of the Tasmanian devil for the most part. Because we started talking about it in December, but we really didn't start, I guess, acting on it until I don't know, July yeah, that year. Um, things were happening in my, my anesthesia group at that time. And it was kind of like now or never. And we, uh, we didn't sell our house. We are renting it, so, but we didn't have a truck to pull a 42 foot RV. So we had to find a truck. We had to, you know, find, well, first on the RV. And then we were like, oh, well now we need to get a truck. And it all happened very quickly from July to October. And it was basically, we packed up the house in two weeks and it was, it was definitely a whirlwind. Yeah, it was, it was pretty chaotic uh, to say the least, because we had two other vehicles that we sold to buy the truck and something that you probably weren't necessarily aware of with our story is we, we ended up buying a truck initially and we may have done some things backwards compared to others. We, we actually had bought the rig. We knew what we wanted uh, with it first. And then we bought the truck and we, we had some different mindsets with the truck. And of course you listen to different people tell you what they recommend, but uh, we, we ultimately went with an older F three fifty truck initially. And that, that particular truck was rusted and uh, complete garbage. And the uh, RV dealership that was mounting our, our Anderson hitch said, there's no way we're going to mount a hitch in this truck. If you try to pull something at all, it's very likely going to snap this frame in half. That's how bad the frame was rusted. So we had to buy two trucks at the very beginning of our journey, in addition to our rig. So it was kind of really chaotic. That sounds like it. I'm actually impressed that a dealership was looking out for you because it seems like a lot of people are able to, you know, pull something with a very light truck, a 1500 or a 150 that they just should not be pulling it with. And dealers usually won't step in. Dealers sometimes will tell them. Yeah, you'll be fine. You can pull it with that. They just don't tell you you can't stop it with that. Yeah, yeah, we agree. Yeah, well, we we were really fortunate. The RV dealership that we bought our rig from, they were just, I guess, kind of a smaller place, and there's we found them to be honest. So now, unfortunately, the fort, the dealership that we bought the truck from, was not. We can't say the same about them. Yeah. unfortunately. I bet. So we had we had such great success with with the RV dealership, and I know, you know. For those that are probably listening, some of you may have mixed results with that. You know, um, uh, uh, different dealers do different things, and and we we found great success at, at what Meredith said a a smaller kind of mom and pop dealership, uh, so to speak. They they really had our best interest in mind, which was which was great. Now, did you guys have any RV experience before this? Have you been no, no. <laughs> none, zero, none. I'm the only actually. Brett never even camped before. If you can believe that. So not even like in a tent or anything. That is very rookie. Well, you know, it's, it's actually not that surprising in the show. I mean, I think I was a little surprised in the beginning as people would tell me, you know, some things that are very similar to what you're saying, no RV experience and really from soup to nuts to being able to have the idea to leaving 
is almost always with under a year and sometimes within that three to four months, which I think surprises a lot of people. I think a lot of people think it takes a lot of time and planning. But once you decide to do something, you can do it. And even if you hit a huge hiccup, like buying a truck you can't use, you can find and figure a way kind of in and around it. What are you guys currently living in now? What's the RV you have? I know you briefly mentioned, but I want to make sure. It's a, uh, it's a 42 foot Coachman Chaparral 391 QSMB, the mid bunk edition from 2018. Okay. So 2018, so you bought fairly new. So you bought new rig, old truck, which is exactly what I did. And, um, how long did you guys take looking at RVs? Why did you pick a fifth wheel over a class A or were you even looking at class A's? Take me a little into that process. We chose the fifth wheel because of the space we felt like, and it was it's cheaper. We looked at the, our options of what we could live in full time. And we felt like we could get more for our money with the fifth wheel. Yeah. We, we thought it was imperative to have, you know, a lot of people, the motorhome game is pretty expensive. And, uh, for, for fresh rookies, like we were, uh, diving, you know, with basically two feet in, uh, we, (laughs) We weren't sure that spending that large amount of money on class A's or anything, you know, on the motorhome aspect was really the way to go. Uh, at the very least, if, if something didn't work out, we knew that we could probably sell the, the fifth wheel and we would have the, the truck left over as a vehicle for us to drive anyway, at, at worst case scenario. So it was kind of like a contingency thought, but like Meredith said, it, it's, it, it was really more bang for our buck. And, and most of the fifth wheel is really, uh, gave us a, a lot of what we were looking for as full-timers. You, you kind of want that space. And with us working, uh, which is, you know, not common for a lot of folks, um, that, that do this, they do some remote based jobs, but it's kind of business as usual for us. So we really needed something that was a plug and play. Like we left our home and we just could, you know, not necessarily spread out as much, but have something somewhat comfortable because we do have three big, large dogs as well. So well, at the time we had two, but now we, now that we've been in Tyler, Texas, we have, we have three. Yeah. So I want to use 2019 as the example, because I know we really can't use 2020, but what was kind of your travel schedule like in 2019? What did you guys do? This is usually where I find out if someone's, you know, two weeks on, we travel, they stayed at a place for two months. What was your guys' kind of 2019 travel schedule like? Well, it's a little different because I take contracts and um, we're pretty much stationary for a significant amount of time. So when we were, our first assignment was in Virginia and we were there from October 2018 through. Gosh, a long time. 2020 to January, January of 2020. Yeah. January 2020. But I had two different assignments in Virginia. One was in the Virginia beach, Chesapeake area. And then the next one was in colonial Williamsburg area. So, but what we do is the way my schedule was at those facilities is that we would have like longer weekends and we were able to go explore different areas around there. So we went up to New York one weekend, we went to DC, we went to, um, Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston, the Chicoteague Islands, like all, all Maryland. Of yeah. Basically the whole East coast. We, we ventured we out to, to explore. We went to Savannah, Georgia one weekend, you know, so lots of traveling going on. Nice. And so it's kind of a good transition in the works. Obviously Meredith, you're doing the same thing and we'll definitely get back to that. Brett, what about you? Are you still doing the, the remote gig, but just on the road or are you doing something different? Yeah. So I, 
I was, uh, you know, as many uh, at this point in time in, in my particular career field it has been affected COVID. by COVID. Uh, basically, most of my work related to hospitals and the type of systems that they were implementing. Computer systems. Yeah, computer systems inside those facilities. So when COVID hit, it basically just locked all that down. So no hospitals, they, they were not spending any money on new computer program software uh, for their, their staff or anything like that. They just kind of went into what we already have. Let's just make the, the best of it. And then they took their employment and went after, you know, nurses and people that are dealing with patient care. So people like me who work exclusively in healthcare IT, uh, most of our jobs all but dried up after March. And it's still very much that way right now. There are few far in between that exists. So I actually lost my contract in March at the time and um, just kind of shifted gears, man. And part of our journey was about being debt-free and, and uh, achieving financial independence. And so there was a lot of self-education that went down for both of us uh, on how to be successful, uh, successful financially. So I actually am now turning that into a career. I'm a financial coach remotely now, uh, and I'm working on the uh, annuity side of, of investments and, and uh, stuff like that on the insurance side as well. So um, that that enables me to be you know location independent because I can get a license in many different states. So I can continue traveling with Meredith with her contracts, and that allows me to meet people from all over the place and uh, keep keep living the uh, remote travel life. Do you have to get a new license if you, you know, started doing, you know, obviously a lot of it's going to be remote, not face to face. So if you brought on a California client, you then have to get a license in California or is it where you're doing the business? Yeah, good question. So if, if that person resides in California and they want to purchase a, you know, a, an annuity or what have you, I will definitely have to have a license in order to, for that, to make that happen for that particular client. If it's on the financial coach side, there, there's no license requirement. So it's kind of two different worlds that I'm doing simultaneously. The, the financial coach side of it is really helping people get a better behavioral understanding of how they spend money, uh, how that money interacts with them emotionally and mentally and all that good stuff, uh, building budgets and, you know, better habits with, with my money uh, kind of, kind of thing. So there's no license requirements there. It's, it's just understanding the aspect of, of what money does for them and, and what it doesn't do and how we can make it better. And then the other side of it, obviously, is I'm selling something. So it, it, it requires those licenses by state. Now, before COVID, let's just look at 2019. So you had the same job in 2018 that you did in 2019. Do you consider yourself a better employee on the road or was it, were you more productive just back working somewhere in the house? What do you think? Well, I'll let Meredith speak to her experience as a locums um, I'm the you know, same. I'm just as productive at work. Yeah. I mean, product productivity. Yes. But from a, from a standpoint of you being a, you know, it's better schedules and stuff like that for you. Oh yeah. My yeah, schedule it's, is different. It's, yeah. it's certainly better there. You know, for me, I've been a remote employee for so long that, um, I will say the first six months back in, what was that? 2012. Uh, 2012 was really a struggle for me, understanding the separation in my day on what that looked like. Uh, now, having done it for almost a decade now, being a remote employee, I, I understand, you know, my strengths and figuring out how to 
pencil in my time, you know, so that my day flows correctly, but I still have that freedom to tackle the other things that need to get done in our lives. Gotcha. Now, Meredith, uh, in regards to COVID, I know there's two sides to the COVID thing and I, I don't definitely want to get into whether people believe it or not, because that just goes down a rabbit trail, but obviously it's got to really affect your industry and just your different precautions. I mean, it's just really flipped your industry upside down. How's that been, you know, staying a nurse and working as a nurse in and around a pandemic? Well, um, definitely as a nurse anesthetist in surgery, you know, I have taken care of some patients that have had, you know, COVID, whether or not they, people believe that or not, that's, that's for them to decide, but I've seen it. It definitely makes you, it heightens your stress at work because I don't want to bring it home to my husband or, and I don't want to give it to family members. So it does make it a little more stressful. That would be. Yeah. And, and how are people treating you? Cause when we were kind of locked down in and around kind of just, well, you know, the shutdown that was in Texas, I thought it was funny that they weren't letting new RVers in, but if you lived kind of, you had one of those little properties that you could stay at, you know, the annuals. And I remember asking myself, like, what if one of the annuals is a nurse? Like I get, they're trying to stop like, you know, campers from coming in, but what if the annual is a nurse? No one knows what people do. And they come there on the weekend for their weekends off. How was that for you? When were you telling people, like, I'd never told anyone I was from California. Were you telling people you were a nurse during everything that's going on? Or were you kind of keeping that on the down low? No, I tell people if people ask, I'm not afraid. If they give me more space, then they give me more space. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I was walking around today and it just hit me that I don't think I've been bumped into in about like six months. Like people are really aware of their space right now, which I hope even, you know, after at some point, if we get back to whatever our normal is, I hope that stays. Like I like kind of people staying six feet away. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. We, we agree. We like to, to, we like to travel and you know, go see places when there's not a ton of people. So we, we, we totally get that. Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's in and around your job, Brett, but it sounds like you guys have done this obviously as a couple. I think this is where I kind of discovered you guys both and was just interested because I, I do think depending on where you're coming from. So me coming from Los Angeles, this lifestyle can be a lot less expensive and it can help people get out of debt if they manage their money. Right. And I remember seeing you guys being very public with kind of just how you're able to drop your debt. And I don't know hundred percent. So I need that question. You still own the home that you're renting that you still live in. Plus you have like a weekend cabin property now too. And maybe let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you guys have removed the debt, how much debt you've removed, just that kind of stuff I think is interesting for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for us, it was really a testament to our journey and what, what brought us to the RV lifestyle. Uh, it really is why we're here, but we found that money is very relational and most people have lived through some sort of, you know, money struggle or financial thing. So, uh, by us sharing some of that, we, we really wanted to kind of show that, you know, things in, in the RV lifestyle sometimes can be very glorified. You know, I'm traveling to see this, I'm experiencing that. Uh, but maybe others don't understand that some of it is about the struggle that you had financially. And you saw that the RV lifestyle could give you that benefit. Like you mentioned that, um, you know, expenses can be relatively cheap. And that was one of our discussion points. We started the journey because there was no work-life balance. We felt like I was working a lot at one evening. Brett told me he felt like he never saw me anymore because I was always taking call and at the hospital. So that really motivated us to 
change. And also, but we, I still had a lot of student loan debt. I came out of school with $109,000 of student loan debt. And that's a pretty heavy burden to bear. And I felt like I had to work that much because of the debt. So traveling was a way to get a better work-life balance and still pay off our debt. And the RV was really just a, both, both a combination of our home uh, and a tool to enable that, that ability. So, um, you know, there's a lot of topics around how you do that. But for us, we wanted to keep our domicile in the state of Tennessee. Uh, so we did that for her licenses, which is a big one because her licenses are much more com- uh, complex to apply for and get than, than mine, obviously. So there was some reason behind that. The cabin, uh, that was a, a passion project for us both. We absolutely love the Smoky Mountains. We've been traveling the Smoky Mountains for many years uh, since we've been married. And it was kind of one of those dream things for us to have a piece of property there to experience whenever we wanted. Um, so we, we love the cabin. It's something that uh, fortunately for us this year, we had a place to escape to with COVID. So we didn't really ride out everything in, in the RV. We actually put it in storage uh, to save more money because we had the cabin already. So we just kind of, we kind of blocked the cabin down. So we didn't have any it guests coming in. Renting anyway. It wasn't renting anyway. No one could travel. So we took advantage of that and spent uh, 45, 50 days there at the cabin, which was working um, on it. Yeah. It has it's a little bit of a fixer upper. <laughs> I remember seeing a lot of the posts and the things you guys were doing just from even like an, an old bench. I think I remember seeing how you guys reworked it and it looked brand new, but it obviously had been there a while and fun stuff like that. Now, will you guys get into a little bit of the details? Like how much I, I see you guys post this every once in a while. So obviously it's public. What was your debt in October of 2018 as compared to now living full time? Where are you guys at? If you want to share the details. Absolutely. Not, yeah, you're, you're right. We, we share those numbers. So in 2018, it's a little foggy. We, 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 were, we were counting it, but we weren't counting it as uh, intently as we do now. It was probably, it's definitely in 2018, it was north of 200,000 total. So we have paid off 179,000 debt. Um, That's including some loans that we borrowed from Brett's retirement for down payments of the house and our cabin. So we paid back one of those loans. And all we have left is the RV and a loan, the house, Nashville house loan. Yep, that's it. So we, after 22, this will be our 23rd month of full-time RVing. Next month marks our two years. Uh, we've paid off 179,000. We have 63,805 left. I think that's incredible. I mean, I, I mean, again, it, it has a lot to do with kind of what your budgets were and your income is, but to think to be able to go full-time RVing and traveling still work. And within two years, there's a good chance you guys will pay off $200,000 in debt. I think is really kind of exciting. And I think it'll probably excite people when they hear that. And one of the things I think about, and Meredith, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, I'm just wondering how many people are going to go into these fields where you, when you're done with schooling, you have that much debt to kind of overcome. And it's kind of exciting to hear that someone can really overcome that much debt without getting, you know, let's say large promotions or large raises and still live a really kind of adventurous life. So it's, you know, kudos to you both. And thank you for being public about it. I think a lot of times for whatever reason, we don't talk about money and it's just cool to see it. And let people know, because there's a lot of people like, I can't afford to go full time and they don't even look into it. They just assume it's so expensive. They can't do it because they see retired people doing it. Right. Exactly. And that was, you know, we, 
we kind of, we were watching tiny house living on HGTV to be honest with you. And that was something that popped into our mind. Like we looked at each other, like, Hey, we spend most of our time in one room in this house. Anyway, do you think we could do, you know, RVing? And we, we first started talking about traveling where, you know, they have those short-term stays that you can stay at, you know, those little hotels that are fully furnished, but you can stay like a month or two at a time. We talked about that, you know, initially and Meredith was like, you know, I really want my bed to be the same. I really want to come home to the same place. I don't want to have to sleep on someone else's furniture. I, I want my own stuff. So once we had that discussion, it, it made it even easier to say, okay, well, the RV makes sense because we could take it with us everywhere we go. And um, it was really just, hey, you know, your job exists with contracts and I'm already working remote. There was a lot of pieces of the puzzle that were already there. It was just making it all come together. No, it sounds like it. And then Meredith, how long are your contracts and like how far do you book them out and that kind of stuff? Okay. So typically my contract is three months and usually there's a potential for extension. So if the facility still needs somebody, a lot of times they'll offer me an extension for a month or two. So my con, for instance, my contract here in Texas, my original contract was from February to July, but COVID happened. So when I got let go from my contract, because as you know, all elective surgery cases were suspended. So they don't need extra help, you know, in the OR for surgery. So, um, but I got my contract back at the same facility in um, May and it was from May to July. And then, and they extended me, they offered me an extension. So now it's from July to October. And then they just offered me another extension and I'm really hoping to be able to explore Texas. (laughs) So now we're from October to the end of December. And then, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll keep working at a place until they find the help that they need. Um, if I like the facility and they like me, it's a good fit. I'll just keep staying there. Um, so it can be anywhere from three months to a year. Sometimes they have open-ended contracts that um, nurse anesthetists can take or nurses. And, um, but I, I typically like the three months with the potential to extend. No, it totally makes sense. And then I'd like to just do a quick follow-up with the cabin. How many square foot is the cabin? It's uh, 1,100. Yeah, 1,100. What was that like? Because I, I agree with you when you're looking back at your 2,400 square foot home and you have those conversations where it's like, can we live in a tiny place? And, you know, you get into like 400 square feet. Did it feel like a giant paradise being in 1,100 square feet? And what was that like for those two months? Oh, my goodness. Yes. The kitchen. Yeah. The kitchen was so glorious, even though it was really tiny and you know, like a galley style kitchen at the cabin. Like it, it was just wonderful to be in the cabin kitchen versus the RV kitchen to have all that counter space. But before, when we used to visit for Nashville, I used to think that there was no counter space, but now I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's, it's really kind of amazing how you, you kind of get to a point in your life where you, you kind of realize you don't really need a lot of things and RV life just kind of, it, it, it puts the cherry on the top on that mindset. So once you start living it, you know, it's not an absence of the things that you think you need. It's more of the the benefits of the things that you desire, so to speak, you know, and we wanted the travel and all the other things we talk about. But truth be told, when we do go back to the cabin, it's only 1100 square feet, but you get in there and you feel like it's 4000 square feet after being in the RV for so long. 
and we still spend all our time in one space. Yeah. And I, it's funny that I go back to, you know, I've mentioned this on the show is that I just wish this is something we all could have done like out of high school or in our really early twenties. Cause I think it would change our mindset on what's important. I think everyone has this fake American dream where it's, you know, 2,500 square feet. It's this amount of property. It's all these little things that you never use or touch. And even with RVers, I mean, it's, it's different than tiny home because tiny home doesn't have a weight limit. You know, you can, you can jam pack a tiny home still, but with an RV, you know, it's not just that you have to have less stuff, but you really have to have less weight, which has its own kind of analogy in what stuff and how it weighs you down personally, which is interesting, but you're right. It's just, I just wanted to see if you (laughs) went to 1100 square feet after 400, I had a feeling it would be like, this is crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the endless supply of hot water too was the other nice thing. Yeah. You know, we've even gotten rid of more stuff in the RV. Like we've gotten rid of a few couches. We're like, we never use these. Let's get rid of it. So we, we got rid of the couches. Yeah. And before I head over to explore, I definitely want to bring in the dog. So you guys had two dogs on the trip. I, I feel like you guys are a little bit of dog whispers. They find you guys. And so let's talk about the two dogs that you left with. And then you've, uh, you've had a couple that have stuck around and some that have been like, I want to say almost fostering. You've adopted one and then you had a foster that you recently had to get rid of. I want to make sure I clear that up though. Damien, that you said dog whisperers, yeah. they don't, they don't, they don't find me. They find her. Okay. I, I do the same thing. Nikki has two cats. I do. I don't own cats. Those are hers. So I get what you're saying, brother. Yeah. Yeah. They find her for sure. Yeah. We have a, a German shepherd. He's a rescue and we adopted a little lab husky mix way before, you know, way before we started traveling. We were, it was like our first month here in Texas and we saw this German short haired pointer running around. Of course, we didn't know that's what he was at the time. Um, and everyone was trying to catch him and couldn't catch him. And then I just kneeled down and said, come here. And he just ran right over to me. And um, yeah, we tried to find his owner, couldn't find his owner. Then we found out he's heartworm positive. And um, so we treated him for heartworm and I don't know, he just, and he's snuggling. He's in my lap right now. So yeah, yeah, as we speak, we, um, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't give him to a rescue or anything. We decided to keep him. And then we found another puppy a few months later, a little husky mix of some sort. Again, we were walking our dogs and he comes prancing up and next thing I know, we're taking care of, and he was a puppy too, but we're taking care of another dog and he was big too. He was probably about 45 pounds. And um, we found a, a local rescue, no kill rescue. And um, we just found out he got adopted not too long ago. So that was great. But we did foster him for a few days until she had room in her rescue. And we got attached quickly. Oh, he was so cute. The ironic part about this, the, the two extra dogs that we, well, one that we've rescued out, one that we've kept, is that when we first arrived to East Texas, the short hair pointer showed up not two weeks since we were here. Well, when COVID hit, we left East Texas to go to the cabin and we brought Blue, the pointer, with us. Not not days after returning back to East Texas when her contract got reinstated, did Hank, the lab, the, the lab mix that she mentioned, showed up. So both instances, when we first arrived back, we had dogs on our front porch again. So it was kind of ironic how that happened. Yeah, there's a, I think it's called Lake Smith in Alabama. Uh, I would highly recommend not going there just because there are so many dogs off leash, like walking around. I think they all have homes, but I was like, oh, I actually thought about you guys. I was like, oh, I think I'm here. Meredith is going to take these all in, (laughs) you know, but I know you guys do your due diligence too, to make sure that it's not like a dog that's been lost, you know, for 24 hours and you guys are bringing in. I remember you really working to try to find the owners and working with shelters and stuff like that. So that was really cool, but it was, it's cool to see Blue part of your family. Oh man, he's, uh, 
he solidified his place around here. It's it's he he won't climb up the food chain, unfortunately, but he's he's found a special place here. Well, let's transfer over to exploring. I know, um, you know, obviously in around COVID, it's kind of shut a lot of that stuff down. But what are just things you guys when you're not working and you're not traveling per se? What do you guys like to do to get out and explore? What's some of the fun things you guys like doing? Oh, we love parks. We love state parks and national parks. Um, we love hiking. Uh, there's a few great places around that we love to just go out and take in some scenery. Uh, we love visiting local zoos too. That was always fun because you know we love animals. We like history too. I'm the, I'm the history buff. So when we were on the East Coast, you know, it's so rich with with history out that way that uh, our entire time there in Colonial Williamsburg was like a dream for me. So anything that's historical in nature, old homes or plantations or you know, things like that. And when we went up to DC, it was kind of a, you know, a nice dream of mine to get back to DC because I went when I was a kid and you don't have a great appreciation of it as a kid for a lot of that historical aspect. So it was, it was awesome to be, you know, within a close driving distance to DC to go experience some of that as an adult now. So we, we love hiking. If we can get out in nature, some fresh air, bring the dogs is a plus. How about the outdoors? The outdoor stuff is just kind of called stand up paddle boarding is, a, is another favorite uh, that we love to do. You know, things like that, man. Just keep us active and outdoors. Well, let me ask this then, because I think this comes up. Was there a lot of like just outdoor adventuring or was it work to home, home to work? It was pretty much uh, work to home, home to work lifestyle. Once in a while, we would be able to get out and um and explore but for the most part it's not like it is now not not even close you know it's funny because our house was eight minutes from downtown nashville right but we only went maybe three times yeah, yeah. down there and we were eight minutes away and it wasn't by choice it was strictly because of uh time limitation yeah i talk about this with friends all the time that are i would say stuck in california and they say because they want to live like close to the ocean and i'll say okay when was the last time you went to the beach and and they can't put a date on it and i'm like okay so don't say that you know and it's one of those things that sometimes you don't just really realize why you're staying in an area and you think it's because of this reason and then you realize it's not that at all which is funny to me and no, I mean, really, they're great places everywhere. It is funny that people get stuck in a place and get stuck in the grind and don't even realize it until they can get out of it and really see it. And I'm the same way. I didn't do a lot of outdoor activities, really. Didn't do a lot of hiking. Every once in a while, we'd kayak. And now it's just a good part of the life. It's certainly an, an extra benefit. And that's, you know, while we're while we're doing it, you know, it's the things we've been able to see and explore and, and do together. And the time that we've gotten is just irreplaceable. Without a doubt. Well, in the wrap up, what I like to do is I like to do a high low. Uh, it's something I used to do with my kids. And I, I brought it into the show because I think a lot of times, especially in and around, you know, full time RVing and social media, uh, we seem to promote the highs more than the lows. We keep those kind of secrets. So I think it's kind of fun to talk about uh, lows and highs. So the first is a low, uh, but I do have some rules now. Um, it can't be a blown tire, bad Internet or COVID. But what has been kind of a low in full time RVing that you just didn't expect? Um, sewer flies. Could that be a low? Of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that Those one. Those are so annoying and gross. I, I can't even imagine. That one, that one has kind of taken its toll. It's a new development because last year we were in cooler temperatures and we didn't experience that in Texas. It's hotter. That that's kind of been a downside, you know, for the most part. Um, Explain that to what people are that maybe don't full-time RV. Oh, sewer flies. They love, uh, 
damp, dark areas and um, they feed on organic matter and they get into your black tank and um, a female can lay lots of little eggs. And next thing you know, every time you flush your toilet, you have about 20 flies fly up. They're little black flies fly up from your toilet. Great. Yep, yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> It's it's terrible, you know. I and mean, we finally found the the trick and the the secret to Dawn dish soap. Yeah, filling that tank, flushing it around, doing it multiple times. That that definitely is the trick. Nice. That's a good idea. We haven't done a lot of like lows that end up being a tip, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> that worked out well. All right. Well, let's go into the high. What has been your I can't believe this is our life moment? What's one that really stands out to you guys? The places we've got to experience along the way and family we've gotten to spend time with that we weren't expecting to be able to spend time with. I have family in Virginia that I hadn't seen in years and we got to spend holidays with them, which was such a blessing. We really loved that. Yeah, I'll agree there. And then I'll throw a couple others in there for me. Um, Like Meredith mentioned earlier, you know, that that moment in time where I felt like I wasn't seeing her enough and we weren't spending enough time. This entire lifestyle has has transformed that. So I consistently see her at the same time every day now when she gets off of work. Uh, we, we have much more consistency in our lives. So that's been a big one for me. And then obviously the big one that we talk about all the time is watching the debt numbers come down. Um, and that's that's been the other huge plus side for us. And, and that's, you know, seeing what you originally set out with your goal to do and you seeing it become a, a reality. That's been the huge positive for us. Oh, I bet. Now, if people want to reach out to you guys and I'm going to link all this down below. So anyone listening, you don't have to try to write it down. Where can they find you guys and whether social or a website and, you know, if they want to get a hold of you, Brett, and talk to you about, you know, helping them get debt free, where can people find you guys? Yeah. So we've got just about everything. We are not YouTubers. So we're not the, the typical RVers that uh, are putting out YouTube videos regularly, but we're, we're probably most active on Instagram. And we have a website. We have our website. So Instagram, we're, you know, at driving towards fire. Uh, and then our website is driving towards fire.com. And, you know, those are probably the quickest and easiest routes to get in touch with us. Obviously it's the place that we're most frequently updating posts and content and stuff like that. So that's probably the easiest uh, places to find us and get and connect with me. And how did you come up with the name? I, you know, sometimes I don't ask this cause it makes sense when it's, you know, bread and marrow, this travels, if that's what was the name, but because of this driving towards fire. Where did that come from? Um, well, we're kind of driving, <laughs> driving to different contracts and different assignments. And in the meantime, we're trying to achieve financial independence and retiring early. So driving towards fire, driving towards that goal. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to thank you both for, uh, you know, one being just a really cool part of the rootless living community. I see you guys there all the time. I love that. And then also making time to come on the show means a lot. And it's just good to finally really be able to talk and rap with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate you taking the time. We've, we've looked forward to doing this for quite some time. It's awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, another fun episode. And again, a big thank you to Brett and Meredith for coming on the show and giving us an insider's look into what their journey has been like. I know Brett mentioned that he really likes being able to hang out with his wife more, and it looks like that's been put to good use. I want to congratulate them as they just both announced that they're going to be having their first child since being on this show. Really excited for you guys. It's kind of a bummer. Get ready to bring on all that debt back. I'm kidding. 
sort of. Also, there's a little bit more of an in-depth story about them in Rootless Living's issue number six, the November-December issue. So if you want to, you can grab that as well and read more about them. And also a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying this Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.